If you've uh, taken time to look at the outline and, and, and things like that, you're already ahead, of course. That's the danger of letting you all know where I'm headed anyway. Um, I, I put location, location, location. And what do you think about when you see that? R- real estate, right? When you're buying a home, they, they say those are the three words that are most important in real estate. You know, it's location, location, location. I mean, you know, where's, I, I want it close to where I work close to good schools, neighborhood, all, the, all those things are important when it comes to real estate. And I do know the lo- location is important as we look into the Gospels. It was important to Jesus. Uh, did you know that the, the territory that Jesus focused his ministry on was really relatively small? I mean, you, I, I believe, I'm, I, it's a right statement, that you've gone so much farther and seen so many more things than Jesus did when he was in this world. Uh, it was a territory. Uh, Galilee was like the, the large area where Jesus ministered, did a lot of his ministry. And, and it was Judea, and in between was Samaria. So, so those three areas. Matter of fact, here recently, we've seen a, a lot of ministry happening in Judea, and uh, I mean, in, in Galilee and in Samaria, and, and definitely we know Jerusalem, uh, where it is in Judea. Uh, all, all that territory. It, it is a territory from Junction City to Topeka. In that area, that, it's about that area, Junction City to Topeka, that's, that's where Jesus, of course, he walked, right? So why did Jesus not travel more? No airplanes, no boats, no, well, I mean boats, but no, no boats like we have today, and, and no aircraft. But this was Jesus, right? But the, the place where he invested his, it's interesting just to look at Jesus' life and, and, and to look at how he did ministry. And, and, and the, even the locations are interesting. That's why today I'm actually diving back into the passage we used last week. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13 is where we were last week. And if you were here or, or watching uh, online, either way, you know that, that uh, I read those verses 9 and 10, and, and we, we dealt with that a little bit, but 11, 12, and 13, because in the story, we focused on those self-righteous Pharisees. We talked about that, that, that idea of that, that self-righteousness is, is absolutely uh, trouble for anything that Jesus has called us to do. I just want to remind you that. But I, I don't want to take away from what verses 9 and 10 say. And for our opportunity, so, so last week was a little heavy, and you felt a little burdened. And, and matter of fact, at, at the end of it, I said there's two ways of praying. is either repentance for your self-righteousness, or second, pray, God, is there self-righteousness working in my life, if, if we're unaware of it? Those are the only two ways to pray. So today, I, I, I want to make it a little easier and, and, and matter of fact, even look at, at, at some of the things that, that I think even comes back and challenges us here at the church. And that's verses 9 and 10. Here's, and, and when I read verses 9 and 10, I want you to think of this word, location. Location. Where did Jesus do his ministry? Here it is, verses 9. Verse 9 says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. 
if we just broaden that, that focus throughout all the Gospels, where is it that Jesus located his ministry? Where is it that Jesus focused his ministry? Well, in this passage alone, it's a tax collector's booth, and then later on, the tax collector's house. It's been earlier, Matthew preached a sermon that it was in Samaria. Matter of fact, Jacob's well, uh, kind of a gathering spot, he met with that woman from Samaria. And, and other places. Oh, well, he's been in temples. He's been all over in that location between Junction City and Topeka. I, I want us to think, where is our center of ministry? I want you to just think for a moment. Where is it we as a church believe that the center of our ministry that takes place? Some of us, we, we've talked about this before, and maybe you're some of you on it, but I think it's important that we're all on the same page when it comes to our center of ministry. Uh, and I want to answer that through my message this morning. I want to start here. Was it you know, maybe some of us are thinking building. You know, hey, we built this building for a purpose, and, and, and man, this is where we gather. Of course, this is like the center of our ministry, and it's not. It's not. Matter of fact, I want to I start here. As we watch Jesus, Jesus did not need a building to start the church. He didn't need a building to go out and minister. Uh, matter of fact, his whole, whole life was in pursuit of people. And I wouldn't just say people, I would say those who are lost. He, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. And you see it in his ministry. It wasn't just a statement that he made. You see it in his ministry. Wherever Jesus traveled and stayed, that's where ministry was taking place. It was always around Jesus. Uh, let's, let's go back and look at this text. A little, little bit deeper than we did last week. A tax collector's booth. A place of business uh, for Matthew. And Jesus came. And, and, and the sta- I, I find this fascinating. What did Jesus say? Saw Matthew, said, follow me. And, and he did. That's the story. <laughs> That's the story of Matthew's calling. Follow me. And Matthew dropped what he was doing and followed after Jesus. I, I think it's fairly easy to assume that Matthew had heard about Jesus. And, and especially with all the things that Jesus has done up to this point, uh, we know that he has been teaching in this area. Capernaum was like one of the main places in Galilee where Jesus did a lot of ministry. The paralytic through the roof uh, happened in Capernaum. And, and, and so at least we have to think that he has heard about Jesus. I, I would even venture to say that that Matthew might have been a part of the 5,000 that gathered together close to Capernaum and listened to Jesus' teaching. Again, there was 5,000 people there. There was lots of people who traveled to see Jesus. Now, being a tax collector, in my own mind, I'm imagining he's trying to find a a safe place to be, which was not comfortable, comfortable around all the other Jews because, again, he's a tax collector. And anybody who saw him probably did their grumbling and, oh, what's he doing here kind of thing. Because he was, again, an outcast amongst his own people. Which, which even fascinates me more that Jesus would walk by his tax collector's booth and say, follow me. Because I, for some reason, I, I just imagine that Matthew might have assumed that Jesus was going to treat him like everybody else was. I'm a tax collector. Rejected by 
all the Jews, not just the religious leaders, but all the Jews because of my position. I imagine Jesus probably feels the same way about me. But when Jesus, when Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, I can't imagine just get out of Matthew's way. Because that was actually acceptance from Jesus. I, I don't know whether Matthew just saw him as a, as a prophet. But even the word is out that he is the son of God. And so Matthew began to follow Jesus. Directly after that, the, in verse 10, it says that, that then Jesus is found... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. He's found uh, to be in Matthew's home for dinner. It wasn't, okay, Matthew, follow us, and then we'll go out to the campsite and, and we'll have a regular evening meal around, you know, together with just the disciples or even in a disciple's home. We're going to go to Matthew's house. I think that was strategic on Jesus' part. And, and that, again, it doesn't say it clearly, but it does say that, that Jesus found himself in Matthew's house for, for dinner. A lot, a lot of assumptions could go on in here because I've always thought or assumed that Matthew sent out an invitation to all his friends. Wouldn't you? I mean, all of a sudden, Matthew's house is full of all kinds of tax collectors and other sinners. And so I, I, I thought that, that maybe even Jesus, and it's quite possible Jesus said, hey, invite your friends and let's have a, let's have a meal. It, it doesn't say that in the text. So it is possible that, that Matthew, elated that Jesus would call me, is now going to have, hey, Jesus is coming over to my house, and if the word gets out, guess who else might show up? The other people who feel outed or, or not a part or even, even feel like, well, what does Jesus think of me kind of thing. But we're, he's going to, to Matthew's house. What, what a great place for ministry is to is to have it in the home of a tax collector who by everybody else is just rejected don't want to be in your house isn't that something isn't that precious to to see that jesus who came into this world says i came to seek and to save the lost and he would find himself in the house of someone who is lost matthew and all his his friends and 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 uh, uh comrades those, those who were in the same position as he was. What does that say to us? I, I do love the building that we have. I, 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 I love it more than, I mean, it's not the way it looks or anything, but I know the story of how it was built and paid for by great people, loving people. Uh, a lot of those we're saying goodbye to here just recently. And, and uh, I, that's why I appreciate this building so much. But, but Let's think about the building. When did, when did that happen? Jesus never used a building. He, I mean, he entered into temples and, and other things. But in the book of Acts, we could go in there and look at Acts chapter 2. After, after a number of people came to Jesus, what did they do? Uh, Acts, Acts chapter 2, later on, as they began to gather together, it says that every day they met in temple courts. They met in temple courts. Every day. Okay, well, okay, then it turned into the first day of the week, but, but uh, they met in the temple courts, but predominantly throughout Acts, and even in Paul's letters, we could identify that they actually began to meet on a regular basis in, in believers' homes for, for time together, for that connecting, for worship, uh, for a, a study of the scriptures. They met in each other's homes. Matter of fact, when when, when did the building thing start? We start building buildings and gathering together and those. It didn't really 
start till after 313. After 313, when Constantine had, had uh, uh, done away with persecution. Uh, up to that point, persecution was pretty regular for Christians. And, and it's th- thought that pretty much the predominant place that Christians would meet, even secretly, was in homes. It was after that time when, when, when man, we were free to be uh, gathering together that, that buildings started to be being constructed. Basilicas, you know, is that place pretty much resembled like where judgment was uh, given, you know, in, in everyday uh, places, monasteries, yeah, just, just name it. There's different kinds of buildings. And, man, we've built some great buildings some still stand today that we're in awe of, that great paintings are in, and, and, and things like that. E- even in, uh, I've been in a few that resemble, you know, malls. Have you been in a mall lately? Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of stores. And in malls that are still open, that a lot of those stores are closing. But there's, man, I've gone to churches that, man, thousands of people meet. And that's exciting. And you go in, and man, they've got, they've got even a, some places had a store and, and a place to print. I mean, it, it was just massive. It was huge. And it, it, was, it was significant. <coughs> but the question that I have is, is, what should our methodology be when it comes to, to what Jesus has called us to? Well, what about the building? What, what use is the building? What use is the building? I come to the conclusion that we must not see this building as the center of our outreach. That the building is not the center, the center of our outreach. It's not the center of our ministry. It really isn't. We meet here, you know, as a, as a large group once a week. There's other groups that meet throughout the week. That happens too. But, and, and with that, let me, let me say, I, I, I believe there are two problems. If in our own minds we believe this is the center of our ministry. Uh, one of the main problems I have is that on Sunday is where we are waiting for them to come, right? It, it is we're waiting for the sinners to come in the door so we could then tell them about Jesus. If we think this is the center of ministry, when are they coming? We, we, we ought to have a, a team together, and man, you are the evangelistic team, and you spot the sinners when they come in, and then you, you get them right then. Yeah. That, that would be some thinking. But I, I've seen that kind of thinking in my lifetime. And I, I do believe that it is easy because when we're all together, gathered together, we're thinking that message, that story. Let's spread it. Now, if, if we believe, you know, hey, this is the place. We're waiting for them to come. It also changes our message. It is about invitation. Uh, you know, and, and many of us go out and we invite you, hey, love for you to come to our church. And, I, and again, I, I don't believe it's bad to invite to church, but if that's our message. You see, our, our message, our true message is not to invite to church, it's invite people to Jesus. I want us to understand that. We want to invite people to Jesus. I, I want to invite you, you've got to come see our bearded worship leader. Yeah, he, he does a really good job, you know. Or so, I, what do you invite people to church for? And, and you ought to find an opportunity. You ought to find an opportunity in that invitation to come to church is because I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know who he is. You, you, need, to, you need to know that, that he came to, to, to save and to heal you from the sinfulness. 
Yeah, I, I believe that we need to, to go further than just say, hey, come to our church. And, and maybe good, you know, some good things are happening in there. Come to church. I really want you to, to begin to think, you know, the reason you need to come to church is because we want you to know Jesus. Bottom line. What do we have to offer? What is it we have to offer that's more precious than the gospel message? That message about Jesus. What do we have to offer? Nothing greater than Jesus. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Absolutely. Now, the building is a place, again, it's significant in this fact. This is the place where we can, uh, can gather, connect, where we can worship together. I, I love the time when we could come together and we could direct our attentions to worshiping Him. Worshiping, worshiping God for sending such a Savior in Jesus. It's a place where we connect. Corporate worship is a place for teaching. It's a place for encouraging. In order for us to do what? To send out and, and, and do ministry. Because if you saw point two, you know the answer to the question, where is our center of ministry? It's point number two. And that is, each follower of Jesus is the center of, of that ministry of Jesus. Each of us. We're, we're the center of that ministry. Where, wherever we go. I, it's, it's like I said with, G, with Jesus. That, that wherever he went, uh, wherever he stayed, that was the center part of his ministry. That's where ministry was taking place. And, and to whoever's following after Jesus, wherever you go, uh, whether work or school or, or in your home, man, that is the place that, that's the center of ministry. Uh, God equips you to act on Jesus' behalf. He equips us for that very purpose, the scriptures say. Uh, there, in the book Radical by David Platt, he says, The plan of Christ is not dependent on having the right programs or hiring the right professionals. You see, when we begin to think this is the center ministry, we think these are the things that's important. Man, we got to have the best worship team. We got to have that, that's going to draw people in. We we want those. We want that worship team to draw people, and we got to have have the best looking guy and the best speaker who's just going to uh, maybe even to the point of entertaining. I, I see some of you laughing. I said, best looking guy. I said, man, we missed the mark on that one, right? I, I, I got to tell you, I got to share with you. We went to Branson, Branson here for that family reunion that I missed a, a couple of weeks ago. Branson, you know what Branson is right now. I mean, the place where shows are and things like that. And so we went to a church there in, uh, um, oh, I can't, it's, it's outside of Branson. I can't remember. Anyway, it's all resort area. So we went to a church that I had been to some time ago, walked in. And it was just absolutely dark. We were a little late. We were a little late. And it was all dark. And I saw a, a, a light going around like this. And there was, there was man, I, we found our seat. And it was, it was just amazing talent. On, could you imagine putting together p talented people for your worship team? It was amazing talent. Not just one lead singer, but there was two or three who led out in songs, and they had great voices. I mean, it was, it, was, it was a production happening on stage. And when the preacher came out, who had a good sermon that morning, but when the preacher came out, he had boxing gloves on and a robe, and, and a little girl came out, and they did a little, little it, it was fun. It was fun. 
and he had a good message that day. But all I could think about in leaving was, was man, what a production. What a production. You know, as I got older, I, I began to realize that our ministry doesn't happen on Saturday. The importance of what we do here is, it, is I mean, on Sunday morning. It's not here. It's not right now. The most important part is what is being produced out of your lives the whole week. What, what's happening in our community Monday through Saturday? I, I want us to understand that. I didn't finish that, that quote. He says, the plan of Christ is not dependent on having the right programs or hiring the right professionals, but on building and being the right people. How do we get there? A community of people who realize that we are all enabled and equipped to carry out the purpose of God for our lives. Uh, That's scripture. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork, uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. If you're in Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, redeemed through his blood, then we're called to a purpose. And the purpose isn't Sunday morning in the pews. <laughs> Anybody surprised? <gasps> really? <laughs> we talk about that often, don't we? It's a good time to remember because we watch Jesus go to a tax collector booth and go to a tax collector's home for ministry. It was all about uh, what we're all called to. Uh, you were called to outreach. That's our ministry is outreach. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. We, man, I know that Jesus talked to his apostles and laid it out, but I believe this is something that we as a congregation continue to be a part of. This message, go, uh, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I mean, that's the commission that's laid out for the church today. And, and well, who, who is to do the going? Matter of fact, we're all to go. And, and it is purposeful. I believe it's purposeful. It's not just haphazard. Well, wherever you go. I know I've heard messages like that, and, I, and maybe that's part of it. But I think even there, there ought to be some strategy thought about. Like, what, move, what it might be part of where I'm going to buy a house, Wherever I buy a house, instead of just thinking, are they nice neighbors, is this a place where I can minister? Is this a place that needs Jesus? Well, that's different kind of thinking. I, I'm interested in, in Travis and Brady, my boys who, who planted the church. We've been watching. They've come and, and, and have shared with us the work. Matter of fact, Matthew is there with an, uh, a number of our teens, along with Mike Berg, uh, you know, doing some things with that church this morning. But when they planted, I just remembered back that it was in a church called Riverlawn in Wichita, and, and, and Travis and Brady just didn't go and plant a church. They actually put out a, a, a challenge to people at this, this church in Riverlawn. They said, who, who's going to go with us? Who's going to go with us? And people who, who were probably enjoying setting and, and appreciating worship every Sunday in church, volunteered to say, hey, we're going to take time to help plant that church. And they started the church in Delano District with like 50 people from the church, people like you, who just said, hey, we want to be a part of that. And they came, and, and, and in some mornings they, they got up. It wasn't just get up, go to, 
you know, go to Sunday school, go to church, and then go home. It was get up real early, set up the church in the elementary school, you know, they had set up the screen, set up chairs, had to set up everything, and, and then do the worship service, then take it down. Could you imagine that morning? You know, it was, it was part of a ministry they committed to. I, I found it interesting, on their website, they laid out some of the values that the church focused upon. And, and one of the values was they were kingdom-minded. And here's what it said. We don't want our end goal to be the church, uh, to, to be the growth of the church. That's our end goal. Boy, we're going to grow this church. We're going to grow the congregation. The end goal is that this church will be a benefit to those around us and the world. Do you hear that? It's not about us growing this church. It's about us being a benefit to the world around us, to, uh, to community around us, and out into the world. I, I think this is Jesus. I, I think in that statement is Jesus in this fact that it wasn't inward thinking. It, it wasn't inward thinking. Let's put it in those simple terms. It wasn't inward thinking. It's just right here, man, we are comfortable with this. Ooh, I like comfortable. But it's about outward thinking. It's about outward thinking. That, now, if each of us are thinking, man... This, this is encouraging, it's strengthening for us to be together, but we, we leave this place. We leave this place to do what? To go to work, to go into our homes, uh, man, to go to school, to go into our neighborhoods, because that's where ministry goes, it follows us. As it said, that, that's part of the going, but it, it says then to baptize. Baptize is that, that beginnings of following after Jesus and teaching others to do the same. And teaching everything that, that I've commanded you. We're all part of this. Even teaching, well, I'm not a teacher. and Of course, your mind probably goes to that place of sitting in a classroom with a number of students. But the truth is, every single one of you, if you're a parent, you're a teacher. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Uh, and everyone has that opportunity to teach. Maybe one individual, someone you're sitting down and reading Scripture with, or someone who says, you know, hey, help me, help me. What, what, what is prayer like? How, how do I pray? There, there's simple things that, it really is simple things in helping people learn how to walk in, in, in that relationship with Jesus. And we're all part of that. If outreach is all around me, if, if the center of ministry is all around me, if it's all around you, then, then what are our resources? What, what, just begin to think with me. What are your resources? What is it you have? What's your home? The center of ministry is your home. How is your home being used in ministry on behalf of Jesus? Uh, how... It, what meals have you had recently? Has it just been people from the church or family members? Uh, have you had a neighbor over? Or, or, or someone from work or, or someone that you're, you're in pursuit of? Is, is your home the center for ministry? Uh, man, if you have a boat, how could that be used for ministry? Uh, man, if you're hunting and fishing, how can you use that for ministry? What are the things that, that you love that there's others who might be interested in? You know, crafts, uh, flipping houses. I, I could go on and on. Where is it? Goats? You know, <laughs> what, what is it that, that, that I could use for the kingdom purposes? It really is different thinking than the things of this world, right? 
It is different than the thinking of this world, the pursuit of happiness. I believe for us it's the pursuit of kingdom. I believe it's the pursuit of kingdom. I believe it's the pursuit of, of, of people who don't know Jesus on, for kingdom's sake. Our lives are different than, than the lives of this, this world. It's not about our safety. It's not about the things that, that, that make us happy. It's about kingdom. It's about kingdom. I, I just want to finish this morning uh, focused again upon you know, what we said. Here's why we exist. And it's that, um, it's, it, it's that fostering the family of God. How, how the message today just reminds me, watching Jesus reminds me of why we exist. Why, what makes it worth coming together is because our mission is, is fostering all the family of God. That, that we're not just comfortable in setting and, and coming and attending worship services and going home and do, doing life. I want us to be in pursuit, even if it causes us to be uncomfortable, of what Jesus wants us to do. I want to be in pursuit of what Jesus calls us to do, even when it calls us to the uncomfortable. Even when it calls us to something, boy, that's out of my box, that's, that's not where I... I, I'm used to going. Fostering the family of God. Each of us learning and growing and being stretched to do what Jesus wants us to do. Going out into the world and making disciples of all nations. Let's start in our neighborhoods. Right? Isn't that right? Location, location, location. For us, it absolutely means ministry. It means ministry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I especially praise you for your word this morning. Uh, if we think about it, we know about Jesus, the, the blood that he shed upon the cross. We know about the Holy Spirit that we receive once uh, we've, we've taken Jesus. And he is that, that strength that helper in our lives, to help us to live and pursue the holiness. Father, I praise you for the church that comes together, that connects us, that helps uh, strengthen us through encouragement and even challenging one another. Lord, I praise you for all that. And all that we know according to your word. So we praise you, Lord, absolutely for that word of God that we have, that we could read and learn. And I ask, Father, that, that as we read it and that we take it in every week, some weeks, Lord, there's that great challenge, and, and it brings us sometimes to that repentance, and, and, and sometimes it's an encouragement or even a challenge to say that, that, Lord, like today, that our ministry really is wherever we go, with the Holy Spirit indwelling the cleansing of Jesus in your word, to go out into this community and to, and to let people know that they have a Savior available to them. And that life uh, doesn't have to be lived apart from, from their Creator, but in relationship with you. God, we pray that you strengthen us as a church. To help us, Lord, to pursue with everything that we have what we're called to. Lord, and that is what Jesus came for, is to seek and to save those who are lost and to build each other up for that very purpose. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.